0: Second Timothy chapter number one and as we get into God's word this morning and see what God has to say to us Let's pause and pray and ask his blessing Lord God, we pray now that as we open your word that the Holy Spirit of God would take it and part it into our hearts I pray father that we would be present here. We know that you are here I pray that we would be present not just in body Lord, but I pray that our hearts and our minds uh, And our emotions would be here help us Lord to set aside all distraction and put it outside and uh, to just rest in you, and to be challenged and changed by your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. Second Timothy chapter 1, let me quickly just kind of give you a little uh, um, uh, background as to what's going on here. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to a young man named Timothy, and we see in the opening verses of this chapter that Timothy apparently was struggling, we don't really know how, but uh, Paul indicates that he was struggling at least emotionally with some type of emotional distress. And so he's writing to comfort Timothy and to instruct and to teach him. And he gives us a little bit of background about Timothy uh, uh, in terms of his family dynamic. We know that his mother and his grandmother were saved, for example, because of what we see in the opening of this chapter. But now we get to verse number seven, and, and Paul writes something very interesting to Timothy. He says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now this is so fascinating to me, friends, because of course we all know what's going on in the entire world. It's not unusual for us to have at least some conversation or, or understanding of what's going on in the United States. But this thing has impacted the whole world. Uh, whether the, the, the actual... Physical impact, frankly, and I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but I meant what I said earlier today when we said we want to be careful but not fearful. The reality is, as of yesterday, there were 158,000 and some actual cases in the entire world. Nearly 7 billion people. There's 158,000 and some cases of coronavirus, confirmed. Those are confirmed cases. There's probably more than that, but that's confirmed. Now, I didn't bother to do the math because numbers and I, we're we're not good friends, but even I know that percentage-wise, that's a really, really small number, really small. In fact, if any of you had statistics back in the day in college or maybe high school, you'll know that statistically speaking, it's what's called an insignificant number. Now, that's not to say that those people, of course, are in, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in the grand scheme of the entire globe, the number of people that have been infected is extremely small. In fact, I saw another report this week that gave numbers of how many people died of the normal old flu last year, and it was a lot more than that. So a little perspective is a good thing, and dealing in fact is a good thing. And not letting facts, or or uh, or, or certainly not letting Facebook <laughs> influence you emotionally. Don't make your decisions. Now, this has nothing even to do with coronavirus. Don't let the decisions you make in life be defined or determined by your emotions. And there is a terrific and growing problem with that today. I actually, I don't know that it is problem uh, a problem that's growing. It's always been there. Sometimes I wonder if the only reason we see it today is because social media makes it so easy for everybody to communicate uh, quickly. Maybe these things have always been here, but we just didn't see them, didn't know about them, because we didn't have an outlet like we do today to, to share these things. But here's the biblical principle to take away today. And, and by the way, this message isn't all about coronavirus. In fact, as Paul writes to Timothy here, within the context, when you read this, you'll realize and you'll see that the the theme is a spiritual one. And so here's the takeaway today. For God's not given us a spirit of fear. Now, God here in 1 Timothy, you all know that I like to go back to, uh, since we're in the New Testament, I like to go to the Greek and see what, what was written. What is this saying in the original Greek? And so the word here that we see in the English in the King James as God is Theos. It is the triune God, the Godhead, three in one, the Holy Trinity, as we refer to it, as God refers to it. And so, friends, this is Jehovah God in the sum total of who he is, if there is a sum total <laughs> to who God is. God God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have not given us a spirit. Now, this word spirit is pneuma. You've probably heard that before. But when it refers to human beings, as it is here, it's talking about that rational spirit, the power by which human beings feel, think, and decide. You could say it this way, that this pneuma, when it refers to human beings, is that conscious awareness. It's that part of us that uh, is alive and thinks and feels as a result of those thinks. And we've, we've talked lots about the fact that our emotions are a result of the things that we think. Even things that you don't even know that you think, and yet you're still thinking them. Because the Bible teaches, right? As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we've seen lots and lots and lots of scripture to support that and to bear that out over the last probably year and a half, maybe more, where we've we've studied emotional state and we've studied uh, um, uh, our cognitive uh, influence, that is, the, the things that we believe to be true about ourselves, other people, and God will determine how you behave and how you feel, how you emote. And so this is talking about that part of you that is who you are the soul is that part of you that will exist eternally and your soul and your spirit are connected but they're two separate things we are made in three parts because god said remember let's make man in our image so he made us a spirit soul and body and so your your soul will last forever and your soul will go with it and then your body is going to be remade ultimately if you're a follower of jesus christ And so uh, God God's going to fix everything that's been broken by sin but God has not given us an existence of fear God did not create you to be afraid God did not create you to live in fear God did not create you to die we know that biblically death is the result of sin is it not for the wages of sin is death so death exists because we brought it on god never created us to die and here we see that he never created us to live in any form of fear now there are some fears that are healthy are there not even spiritually speaking the beginning of wisdom is the fear of god the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom and so having a healthy dose of fear of god's holiness and His righteousness and His perfection is very good for us because it brings us to a place where we realize that we are not holy. We are not sinless, and we are not perfect. And we realize that our sin has, has, has cursed us, not only in this life, but in the life to come. It has cursed us to hell. And once we realize that, then, once we're confronted with the gospel, then we can humble ourselves and respond to it, repent from our sin, turn to Jesus, and accept his free gift of salvation. So that fear is really important, and it has an internal impact. We teach our children, even in this uh, life, uh, to have certain types of fear. Our children need to have a healthy dose of fear of running out in front of a car, for example. So we want them to have healthy fears. We don't want them to put their hands on a hot burner on the stove. And so there are healthy fears. But what God is saying here is that he did not create us to live a life, have an existence that is defined by fear, particularly irrational ones. And so the word fear here is dylea. And it means this, it means timidity, fearfulness and cowardice now think about that in spiritual terms because that's the context in which this is written god is telling us that as followers of jesus christ we in this life in this world do not need to live there is no purpose for us to live a life of cowardice a life of timidity and I, I get frustrated, friends, frankly, and I hope this doesn't offend you, but, but sometimes when you hear people talk about uh, sharing their faith with other people, you'll, you, you will hear them make excuses, frankly, that sound something like, well, I just want to offend them. Or, well, I've got to build bridges to them first. And they come up with all kinds of excuses that, frankly, are nothing more than the result of a timid, fearful dare I say it, cowardly attitude and spirit. That does not come from God. How do you know that, preacher? Because God just said it. God has not given us that existence, that spirit. So if it's not coming from God, it can only be coming from one of three places. It's either coming from my own flesh, it's coming from the world, or it's coming from the enemy, or any combination of all three. And so, friends, don't be timid about sharing your faith. I would say to you that right now, in the United States, and even globally, we have an opportunity, because there is no greater time to affect change in a person's life than in a moment of crisis. Did you catch that? There is no greater opportunity to affect change in a person's life than in a moment of crisis. This world is in crisis, is it not? Did any of you go look at your 401ks this week? Didn't want to see it. You know. Because Why? Because people react. Rather than being proactive as Christians, people react to what's going on around them, and they react based on that fear. And instead of managing their emotions and their decision-making, they get it backwards and they have some kind of an emotional response that's out of control, and then they make decisions based on that fear. And we see that all the time, and we're guilty of that much of the time. Timothy now contrasts fearfulness with three spiritual endowments that the Lord gives us. The Godhead is three in one. He gives us three powers here, the spirit of Power. That word is dunamis. It's the same place we get this, the, the word today in English, dynamic. It is strength, power, ability. It's an inherent power, a power residing in a thing by virtue of its very nature or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth. So it, you know, I remember back taking physics back in the day in high school and college, and we talked about force a lot. And maybe some of you have had that exposure too in various sciences that that force is exerting energy into something. And that's what God is saying here. He has given us a spirit of power. And frankly, friends, it is an extension of His power. And our God possesses all power, does He not? That's why we refer to Him as omnipotent. It is one of the traits of God. He is omnipotent. He possesses all power. And in his love and in his mercy and grace and wisdom, he extends to us his power through his grace. We often refer to grace as being the unmerited favor. You've probably heard that. And that's very true. Grace means receiving something you did not uh, deserve. But what did we receive that we did not deserve? Well, we certainly received salvation, correct? forgiveness of sin through the shed blood of Jesus. But he didn't stop there. The Bible teaches that he extended to us his power, the power of the God of heaven. Friends, why do we not avail ourselves of it? Why do we choose, a very important word, to live in fear instead? Why do we choose to ignore the power of God that is available to us and choose to live our way. It's the flesh. So friends, you've got to make healthy choices. You've got to make godly choices. And God has extended his power to us. It is power for performing miracles. I don't know about you. I still believe in a God who performs miracles. God can do whatever God chooses to do, whatever pleases him, whatever meets his plan, because he is sovereign and God can do miracles. And no one will ever convince me otherwise doesn't mean that he's going to do it because I ask him to. He's going to do them because it pleases him. Sometimes it pleases him to do what I ask him to do because he loves me and because he loves you. It's, it's the power to have a moral excellence. It's the power and influence which belongs, uh, uh, according to Strong's, to the rich and wealthy. And we all love to complain and grouse about that sometimes, don't we? Uh, what's that lady, AOC is what they call her, I can't think of her name, but she was complaining this week that the only people getting the the tests are the rich and wealthy and people with powerful influence. People complain about this stuff all the time. It's not just her. She's just the one with the microphone today. That's all. But we grouse about this sort of thing all the time. And part of that is because, to a degree, it's true. Not, Not that they get special benefit but that certain people have influence i saw a headline just yesterday i was going you know trying to stay current on what's going on and one of the headlines says uh, it was just a list of influential people who have tested positive i didn't even bother opening it i'm thinking okay i understand that tom hanks and his wife are in australia and they've tested positive and i'm, I'm sorry about that i'm glad they're getting good care and treatment i really am But why is that any more important to know than uh, 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 some older person in a a retirement home in Washington or anywhere else for that matter? So friends, it means, spiritually speaking, we need to have an influence on others. Why? Because we are rich. We have the riches of the God of heaven at our disposal. Do you have a need personally? Take it to your father. Wow. Our God owns everything, friends. And he can do anything he wants. And he loves you. It means uh, um, power and resources arising from numbers, from from just a lot. The Bible refers to God all the time as the God of hosts. Right, That is not only the angels, I believe, it's the angels of heaven, but it's also those who've gone before us. There's a lot. (laughs) It's about the angels themselves being innumerable. And even if a third of them fall away and follow Satan and get kicked out of heaven, that still leaves an innumerable two-thirds that are honoring God and serving God. It means a power consisting in arresting upon armies, forces, hosts. Friends, we have the God of heaven behind us. What are we afraid of? He has given us a spirit of dunamis, a spirit of power. He's also given us a spirit of love. This word is agape. It's altruism. It's unconditional love. It's love for all mankind. It originates from God, and it's given back to God. John 3.16, perhaps the most famous uh, example of love anywhere. God so loved that he gave that word is agapao it is a derivative a derivative of agape love it's actually a verb love listen to this if you truly love people you will have no choice no recourse but to be moved to action agape love always leads to action agape leads to agapao Act, actionable love 1st John 4 19 we love him because he first loved us. We Agapao him because he first Agapao us Remember it's an action verb an active verb It's love that moves us to action to obedience to worship to positively impact all others for the cause of Jesus Christ next he's given us a spirit of a sound mind this blew me away this week. We just finished about a four or so sermon series on Titus. What was the key word, the key Greek word in Titus? Do you remember? You said it last week. Sophron. Sophron, right? A sound mind. And we saw the derivatives of that word. Guess what this is? It's uh it is sophronismos sophronismos it means self control moderation soundness of mind to be made whole remember the lepers that we saw a week or two ago only one was made whole and that by his faith in god they all received healing only one was made whole and that became that came along because of his uh, faith in god faith in god leads to a sound mind friends it leads to wholeness to wellness it leads to self-control it leads to sanity when all around you is falling apart it leads to wise decision making and effective influence on other people it leads to positive godly leadership and impact on the world around you and it all stems from faith in god the key is faith in god and the work that he has done in you So, what are you looking for? What are you looking at? The world will scare you. The enemy will terrify you. But a focus on the triune God of all creation will empower and enable and embolden you with all love and strength. And that comes only from Him, it does not come from me and you. Friends, keep your focus on God. Be careful. Do not be fearful. Father, we thank you for your word today.